I'm Scott McGowan, and this is Point Blank, where we close in on the ideas and stories that shape PLNU. Point Blank is sponsored by the PLNU Associated Student Body. So if you are a current student, the show is brought to you by you. Obviously, you know yourself. That's how you decided PLNU was the place for you. It's how you selected the major you were in. It's what guided you to pick the correct roommates and living situation and the things you do with your time. This fact of your life is how you can be so sure which career you will select after you graduate. You know yourself. Or do you? While the prior list of important decisions may suggest you have no idea who you are, studies indicate over half of college grads will no longer be friends with one or more of the roommates within three years. Similarly, only a quarter of you are likely to end up working in a job related to your major. Of those, as many as 60% may be looking for an exit from that field within 10 years. Of those that stay, only a fraction will be satisfied with their work. All of a sudden, this sounds pretty bleak. And I haven't even mentioned those terrible national divorce trends. Yikes. But what if these outcomes only sound so sad because they're framed in particular expectations of success? This frame goes something like this. Know who you are and where you're headed. Choose that path and work hard at it, and then achieve the thing you knew you would at the beginning. Sound familiar? This is our default because it allows us to feel in control, and, perhaps most importantly, it makes us the sole agent in our success. Ooh, that's a good feeling. It just turns out it's not how life usually works. But what else is there? Well, in our last episode, writer Eddie Matthews talked about narrative progression and how it is stories that give meaning, purpose, and perspective to our lives. We learn how to love not from facts, but from embodied stories of how others have shown it to us. This is also how we play, work, joke, and flirt, all the critical day-to-day activities of life. It turns out the knowing is typically something that happens after the experience, once we've learned through embodying a bunch of stories. And while this kind of knowing aka wisdom, is incredibly useful for building on experience, it may be misleading to think we do something because we know something rather than knowing from what we do. If this is true, rather than to convince yourself you know the right direction and pursue it single-mindedly, perhaps it may be more valuable to keep an open mind and pay close attention to all the relationships around you. In this case, it may be that the one great choice you made was to attend a school like PLNU, a place where relationships and community are vital parts of the learning life. Here to talk to us today about how the PLNU journey dispelled her old knowing of herself and then grew in her the vital tools to comprehend her own story is Jordan Liggins, class of 2016. Jordan graduated PLNU cum laude with a degree in journalism five years ago. She was a student athlete and leader on the basketball team, wrote for The Point Weekly, managed their social media while a student, and after completing an internship for the San Diego Magazine, she went on to her dream job as senior editor at Locale Lifestyle Magazine, covering the entire Los Angeles and San Diego metropolitan areas. But achieving her dream so soon changed Jordan's perspective, and she moved on to work for my favorite sports news site, The Ringer, covering the WNBA. Jordan now hosts her own podcast, Spinsters, putting a spin on the NBA, and is leading content strategist at Mojo Sports, an awesome startup organization whose mission is to empower young athletes everywhere and make sports more fun for everyone. One kid, one coach, one family, one team at a time. So cool. Even more cool, Jordan continues to invest in her PLNU community by writing for The Viewpoint. For those of you students who don't know, The Viewpoint is PLNU's alumni magazine and is a magical portal into the amazing world of what our alums are up to. Jordan's recent contribution is entitled, What Disney Pixar Soul Teaches Us About Purpose and Vocation, and intersects with what we will be talking about today. Jordan, welcome to Point Blank. Thank you so much for having me. That was a wonderful intro. Thank oh, you. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's it's wonderful because the the subject is great and because you are willing to tell us about your story. So thank you for being willing to share um, as an alum, as a student uh, who went through this experience and now you're, you're right at that, I mean, five years out, you're at this, this great moment where you're able to reflect and then look back. And I think you have some really valuable things to share with, with current students. So... It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. So um, to start with, I mean, I, I want to talk about your PLNU journey and how it continued into your professional life, but I'd, I'd like to start a little before that if we can. 
Would you be willing to tell us a bit about your childhood, how you wound up at PLNU in the first place? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Sacramento, California, so NorCal. Um, my parents are my best friends. They are amazing. I'm the youngest of three. My older sister is a nurse. My brother is in dental school and... I did not go the medical route. I am a writer and creative, so kind of the odd one out there. But um, I grew up always wanting to know what was next. It was a very early theme in my life of, you know, before I started kindergarten, I saw my brother and sister had homework. So my dad had to make me homework and I had to get all A's because you know, I had to get double stars. I didn't even know what A's were, but I knew that that was something that I wanted. Um, And that kind of, that trend really took me through school. When I was in middle school, I couldn't wait to get to high school. When I was in high school, I couldn't wait to get to college and starting to look at colleges my sophomore year in high school, which was just so early. Um, Then I played basketball ever since I was five. And that was really great for me. I loved it. It was my first love. I poured everything into basketball and really trying to get a college scholarship. Um, So when it came down to it, my junior year, um, I had different offers and was being recruited by different schools, but I really wanted to go to San Diego. My grandparents lived in San Diego. My aunt and uncle lived in San Diego. So I Googled D2 basketball schools in (laughs) Southern California. And me and my dad went on this road trip and had this DVD with this cover letter explaining why I was this great basketball player and dropped it off at different campuses. And Point Loma was one of those. Um, And Bill Westfall and Alan Nakamura, who were the coaches at the time, reached out to me. It was late in the recruiting process. Um, in April of my senior year. Um, But I came for a visit and I mean, you guys know, Point Loma is beautiful and amazing. And it was really easy to say, oh, sure, I'll play basketball with this ocean view. That sounds, (laughs) that sounds great. Oh, not bad. (laughs) Not bad at all. But actually I met Dean Nelson on that visit and I told him that my dream is to be a magazine editor. And he said, well, we have a magazine class where you build your own magazine. And um, it really gives you an insight from the top journalists in the area. And he showed me, you know, what students have done in the past. And we sat in his office that had a barber's chair (laughs) for the chair, classic Dean. That's, yeah, he's got that, he's got that thing in his office. And I think he, he, purposely i think he's got he's got the his desk chair he's got that thing and then he's got like one other chair and i think he purposely likes having meetings with three people so that it forces one of them to sit in the chair and like (laughs) and i think he gets a kick even specifically about like maybe guessing or watching how that negotiation then works between the two other people like who's who's gonna end up in that thing (laughs) because you're sitting like you're sitting a good like eight inches above everyone but Dean's yes. running the meeting. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, yeah, it's bizarre. I remember, I think last year it was, uh, last time I was in, it was Jackson Wise, who was ASB president, was was sitting up in there. And it's, you know, yeah, it was, uh, I don't think he knew what to do with himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just imagine senior in high school. I'm, I, I was in the presence of Dean Nelson, this amazing writer. And I'm sitting in a barber's chair having a very, a big conversation about the decision of my future. Yeah. Um, but and, he and is the we, reason. Sorry, in our, in our last podcast we did, I had Eddie Matthews, also a writer out of PLNU, also strongly impacted by Dean. And I made him say a little bit about how, who Dean is. But again, for anyone who's, who's listening here, maybe you want to just briefly say who is Dean Nelson because miraculously many students don't know who he is. What? I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> Stop what you're doing right now and go you know, to like Dean like Nelson's nursing office. students, they're off at Liberty Station. <laughs> okay, yeah. They don't know. Yeah, that's true. The Liberty Station separate bubble. Yes, yeah. I know. Dean Nelson is the dean of um, the journalism department, and he is a accomplished writer, amazing professor, 
um, and has really helped shape the writer that I am today. And like I was about to mention, is the reason why I came to Point Loma. Um, if I if I went back a little bit for that time in high school, I didn't even know what journalism was. I saw it as an elective in my high school classes. I needed another class and it was the newspaper. They were bringing it back. Um, I took a writing test and they asked me to be the editor in chief, which I was like, uh, okay, sure. Don't know what this is. I've never, I don't even read newspapers. Who reads newspapers? But I became um, head over heels in love with it. And so by the time I was on that visit, to go to Point Loma for basketball, I was very sure that I was going to study journalism and I was going to be a magazine editor. And that was the path that I had set out for me. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, that's really the next question. And in that, in that time, what, like, how convinced were you of that? How, how large did, did like any doubt about that loom in your mind? There was no doubt. No doubt. There was absolutely no doubt. And, um, you know, especially going on that campus, having a lot of people undeclared, like a lot of my friends just being like, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm kind of going to let college decide that for me. And I was like, oh, wow, really? I have my 10-year plan already (laughs) mapped out. Like this is, I'm going to be an associate editor first, then I'm going to work my way up and that really uh, shaped what internships I was taking on. Um, since I played basketball, I can only get internships in the summer, but I got one every single year that had something to do with writing, um, fashion, or magazines. So, so not it was only, very narrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not only did you have this very specific goal and plan, and I, I love in your article that article you wrote for the Viewpoint, you said capital P planner. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so you had that plan. Um, but not only that, but you, you clearly, there were pieces that seemed to be falling in place along the way. Like, yes, you're working hard, you're working single-mindedly towards this vision and the mm-hmm. things are happening. You know, you're not, you're not getting red lights, um, as you go. So pretty affirmed in that, uh, as you went. Um, so then as you go through your PLNU experience, were there any, any pieces you met over the next four years or any, any experiences you had that, maybe started to make you question that or, or be unsure by the time you graduated? I think, um, for the journalism part, I only fell more in love with it for, you know, because especially once you get into your junior, senior year, you get into those super small class sizes where you're, you know, picking apart your articles and, I loved that. I loved our adjunct professors that came from, you know, the UT San Diego and would, you know, come teach us at night after a shift of working in a newsroom. Like my eyes were just so big. I loved it. But I think where it really started to shift was um, I came in and I wanted to do fashion writing. So not only did I have (laughs) a very specific plan I said, I only want to write about this one thing. And I remember Dean pushing back on that and saying, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself. If you can write, you can write about anything. Um, And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I definitely don't want to write about sports. Like, that's what (laughs) I've been doing my whole life. I don't want to write about that. But lo and behold, that's what I started gravitating more towards, especially in his uh, creative nonfiction class. That's what I know. Sports is just a part of me. Basketball was a part of me. Um, but even then, you know, my I think my junior year, I wrote about uh, more investigative journalism, more reporting. Um, yes, I covered some San Diego fashion shows too, but... It was uh, allowing myself the freedom to even look outside that narrow box that I had drawn for myself already opened up endless possibilities and um, just allowed me to see more than my plan. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, hearing how Dean influenced you, do you think if Dean had just said, okay, that's what you like, do it, 
and hadn't challenged you to 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 think differently or be more open minded, how do you think that would have gone? Yeah, you know, I think about that. I'm the type of person that if I set my mind to it, it's going to get done. So I think if I would have went in and said, I'm going to be a fashion writer, I would have been a really good fashion writer. Sure. But I don't think that I would have allowed myself to even branch out for a, a moment. And I would have been so laser focused on just this topic that I would have lost opportunities to tell different stories Um because I was so focused on only this. So Dean just opened my mind to saying, hey, what if you write about anything else? Because you will have these tools that we're going to teach you that will allow you to tell anyone's story. Sure. Now, maybe like a, I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole any, anybody else, but like a, maybe just a cynic or, or just somebody talking from just a pure career development perspective might look at what you just said and say like, yeah, but you could have been, if you just would have focused and you just would have mm-hmm. only done fashion writing, you could be making $250,000 right now being the editor, senior editor of whatever. And, you know, and, and that's maybe how far it would go. Like that's how far that story goes in that person's mind. But that's like enough in the, in the cultural mm-hmm. side, guys, that's plenty. Like, hey, quarter million dollar a year salary, what else could I possibly like? That's it. That sets the base for being happy or whatever it is people think you're supposed to have in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that versus okay, so you've made yourself more open. Why is it? Why is it valuable? Would you say looking back to have been made more open minded, more valuable than a than a large salary um, and a stable stable job? Yeah, that's interesting. Um... I think about my time, you know, after I graduated, I um, became an editor of a lifestyle magazine. And lifestyle is all of the things. (laughs) You know, we wrote about food. There was fashion. There was active lifestyle. um, And I think I that passion for for fashion and, and lifestyle really helped me in that. And, you know, the the stories that I had told before, uh, yeah, helped me tell future stories. But the base of it, and when you're putting together a magazine and when you're thinking who is your cover star, it could be an actress, an athlete, a fashion designer, a scientist, you're telling stories. Yeah. And that's what I think when I go back to what Dean told me about not pigeonholing myself, it was be a storyteller regardless of what the subsection is. If you told me to write about fashion right now, I still could because sure. I, I, I built those, um, those, I had those building blocks of how to tell a story and to be able to know what story I, I wanted to tell uh, through my writing. So I, I think allowing myself to think outside the box and then going to a lifestyle magazine that required that of me um, I think of it as grad school. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of like grad school because I was able to pull from all these different parts from undergrad and present, um, present my storytelling in a different form. Yeah. So that sounds like, sounds like, um, what you were, what you were gaining by that shift in perspective you were given was the, the ability to look at life in a way where you were, you were actually developing tools and building blocks uh you were developing um larger and larger capacity pieces of yourself and and frames for understanding the world so that you could give valuable perspective on whatever you came across uh Mm -hmm. rather than looking for what is the monetizable commodity that i can narrow in on to just make that money uh and and I'm hearing and what how you're st- speaking about it that it that you think that was better for you as a person. Yeah, and I think just like you know, right off the bat, I didn't go into journalism being like, "Yes, I'm going to be a millionaire." Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> like I kind of already knew that, and just like you know, the joke I made earlier, my brother and sister in the medical field, that is something that is a need 
And I'm over here like, ooh, let me tell your story. Like, <laughs> pay me some, like, $5. So I, I kind of, um, I already knew that. I went in it not for the money. Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting now that I'm in my career. That I'm like, oh, wait. People will actually pay you money for this. Like, this is cool. Because I was never expecting this to begin with. So... That's been a, a little bit of a surprise, but I I always have this thing um, that, you know, would you do it for free? Hmm. And that's that's what I think about. When I was, you know, romanticizing the, the dream job of a magazine editor and how I grew up collecting magazines, making collages and um, really looking through for the photos and the headlines and... I said, you know, if money wasn't, if I could just live off of nothing, I would still do this. I would still write. I would still interview people and talk to people. And I think that's where you kind of have to dig deep into your passion and um, let that lead you a little more, which I didn't have so clear when I had it so razor focused. (laughs) Hmm. So, so that that did start to change throughout your PLNU experience after interacting with people like Dean and, and other mentors you met at PLNU? Or would you say that perspective shift started to happen after you graduated and went out in the working world? I would say that I really um, thought about that in the working world because, you know, at that point, um, especially when you're looking for jobs, even if it's a job change and you're reading the descriptions and you're like, uh, yeah, the money is nice, but do I really want to spend my days doing that? And then when you flip it, you know, if you weren't getting paid for this, would you still do this? And a lot of those jobs were no, like, no, no I yeah. would not, I would not do that. Um, yeah. But then if you, you know, if you really ask yourself like, okay, if they took all your money away and you were still fine, would you still want to do this? Spend your time, spend your day, um, doing this. And for most of the time, yeah, like that was, it was so fun for me. Um, and so now when I think about it, like, yeah, of course I need money to live, but (laughs) I still, I still frame it in that way. Right. Like I still think like, okay, the money's nice, but if you took it all away, would you still want to do this? Or would you want to do something completely different? Like that's what you kind of have to think about. Would this get you out of bed in the morning if it was just yeah, if it was just your what you're doing for fun or for yourself or for you know your own development, I think that's mm-hmm. that. Would you do it for free? That's really that's so helpful. I, I also I think that's something for PLNU students to note. I, I hear a lot of there's a lot of stories I hear that go something like, um, "Well, this is this this career path is uh, that I'm selecting or that I'm going into a major for." falls within the realm or the category of things that the people in my life have told me are good things. Oftentimes that's, mm-hmm. that's parents, but it's not just that it's something, you know, broader culture, friends, whatever. So something like scientist, doctor, lawyer, these kinds of things. Um, and, and so when they think about the, the, like you're talking about what, what felt to you like might be either drudgery or like life sucking, soul sucking type of aspects of those jobs, well, I'm just supposed to like, that's just part of it. It's things are supposed to be hard. You know, mm. life is supposed to be hard and it's a measure of my character, how how much I can just shoulder the the hard things and push through it. And and I hear that. And I, I mean, there's there's this modicum of truth in that. I think you would agree that like, yes, it's like, it's good for things to be challenging and it does, it is character forming, mm-hmm. but maybe worth considering that that's not, like something being hard isn't the indicator of whether or not you are meant to do it. <laughs> right. And that's how those right. stories actually, if people are listening to themselves when they say it, that's the story you're telling is like, if it's not hard and if it doesn't suck, then I'm not being the good boy or girl I'm supposed to be. So, yeah, I mean, that might be getting into, into some deeper psychology, but I, th- I just think there's that, that story is one that's, maybe more pervasive than we realize. And I'm hearing you tell, tell a different story. It's encouraging. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Cause I, I automatically think of, um, 
relationships. Like some people say that about relationships. Okay. Too. If it's not. Well, I, I, I hear a lot of people say that, like, we've been through so much together and it's really hard, but we overcome. So we're meant to be together and it doesn't have to be hard. It shouldn't be hard. It doesn't, that shouldn't, that doesn't have to be a part of your story. You know, life is going to come at you in other ways because that's what life does. But you shouldn't expect like, okay, if this is hard and I am miserable, then we're getting somewhere. We must, yeah. Like that's a that's a tough way to go about your day to day. It's like a self-flagellistic, like masochistic kind of thing. Which which I say because I certainly, I mean, I certainly have been there and had relationships mm-hmm. like that where I thought that was that was the indicator. That is a great. I think that's a great point that because because what we're really talking about here isn't. Just, I mean, we're talking specifically about vocation, but that the broader theme we're talking about is is how we how we think we know how to make mm-hmm. these these big life decisions and maybe they're rooted in something that that is actually unhelpful unhelpful to us and unhelpful to our flourishing. So yeah, I mean that relationship piece is is central to that. It's like a yeah, needing it to be hard, it, that's a great hallmark of like a, a broken savior mentality type relationship mm-hmm. or a codependent relationship that's that's yeah you'll find those there so don't be so sure that because your relationship has that you know that that makes it good because those things are yeah not helpful yeah yeah um so uh, going into your taking some of those things into your your career story um you you mentioned you you got this great job as an editor for this lifestyle magazine maybe if you could like yeah just um tell our listeners what the last five years have looked like for you Ooh. so yeah so take your time um i we graduated in may and i had or wait let me actually go back further than that so my senior year of basketball. Okay. Um, yes. Basketball was not what I had expected throughout my college experience. Um, you know, coming in, you're you're recruited, you're, um, you know, the top of the team, top of your game in high school. You come in as a freshman in college and you are humbled immediately okay. <laughs> by women that are way better than you. And, um, your, your pond gets a little bigger. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then you also realize like, wait, I'm 18 and I'm playing against women that are like 25. So <laughs> yeah. that is a, a mental shift automatically right there. But, you know, so I've already started shifting in that way, kind of saying, you know, I know I'm not going to go play pro. I'm not going to be in the WNBA. You guys you know, you're listening to this, you can't see, but I'm 5'4". So it's like, you know, <laughs> those WNBA dreams are cut short pretty early. Um, and I realized I was at Point Loma for the journalism, for the friendships, for, um, you know, a part of my testimony. Like Point Loma plays a big part. So it kind of was a moral of the story <laughs> my senior year, um, feeling like, you know, I know I'm not going to be the superstar, but I still have a purpose on this team. And I get injured. I tear my labrum and my shoulder, and I'm not able to finish my senior season. Brutal. Yes. So I was crushed. I was so close to senior night. Um, And I think that that was you know, like I said, the moral of the story, like you were not here for <laughs> basketball, for this, yeah. like you were here for the relationships and, and other, and other things, bigger and, things. And basketball, basketball was an important part of getting you there and that yeah. matters and that's important, but it's okay for that to end is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, it was, it was okay. It was, I had a little bit of a breakup with, with my <laughs> original purpose for basketball. Um, but that injury, as brutal as it was and as heartbreaking as it was, I had more time to look for a job because I was about to graduate college. 
Um, and I was able to go on interviews when I would have normally been at practice or in a game. So I was able to go on an interview for Locale. And I said, this was in, I think it was in February or March. And I said, um, I don't think I'm qualified for your editor position that you posted. Um, when I think editor, I think, you know, Vogue, you're at the top of yeah. the the list. Um, but I said, hey, I think there's something that I can offer you. Here is my resume. Here is my website. I think I could be an editorial assistant if you need one. Already having that in my head saying like, okay, you have to start at an editorial assistant. Um, and I got hired in March and I said, okay, I can't start till June. And they were like, okay, which is <laughs> really not normal. No. And I am totally aware of that. Um, and so I went through the rest of my senior year being like, I have my dream job. I have my line. It's lined up. I got the editor position because I, I proved that I, I, um, could fulfill that that job. And I just remember getting ready for my first day and being like, okay, according to our plan, we're like five <laughs> years ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, did is, that feel, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, did that feel awesome or did that feel like it had some anxiety in it? It had anxiety in it for sure because oh. I... I had this ladder in my mind and the editor, there wasn't too many spots after that. That was like, you know, yeah. <laughs> after I built this career of uh, working my way up. And that's kind of the story I, I told myself. Um, but I skipped a lot of steps on that ladder. And working through that, I was there for two and a half years and I worked my way up to be the senior editor um, it was crushing because I was like, man, this wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, hmm. um, in the magazine industry. And I don't know if I'm growing at the, the rate that I really want to grow at. Um, I thought that, you know, this was it. I was going to be in this industry forever. And, and that was going to be my title, senior editor, yeah. director of content, like just they would have had to continue to make <laughs> make things up for me. Um, but I sat with myself and I looked back at my experience and I, again, found myself gravitating more towards the sports stories. Hmm. So if there was a, um, a cover story that was a professional athlete, I felt like my basketball story and my drive and my competitiveness, I could speak to them in a different way and be able to tell their story from an athlete's point of view. Um, it originally started, you know, I was the only one on the staff that had played a sport. So I, I went towards the athletes, but I really, really liked it. I really liked talking to them. Um, so when I got to a crossroads of, okay, I don't know if I can grow anymore here. I don't know if magazines are really what I want to do in my next step. Um, I found the job posting for The Ringer. And it was for a fact checker. And it, I would have to move to L.A. I was in Orange County at the time. Uh -oh. And I just... I, I know, which is <laughs> big red flag. <laughs> moving to L.A. <laughs> uh, but I did it. And I yeah. filled out the application at 11 o'clock at night and I was so freeing and I knew um, I knew I could talk sports. I love sports. I still watch them on a daily basis. And I got that job and it was a $20,000 pay cut. Wow. I had to move to a different city. I had to change my title from this glamorized senior editor to fact checker. Yeah. And I was like, did I make a big mistake? Yeah. Like on a resume. Some, it some anxiety no there sense. too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. 
but but in but but the the overall feel like kind of what you what you knew after doing that versus what you knew knew before you went into to the senior editor role was was bigger was was deeper and so i'm 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 hearing that there was anxiety there but maybe that that story was um more i don't know more fulfilling of who you are your passion and more growing of who you are is that was that fair to say yeah yeah i knew i wanted to to kind of step out on a ledge and say like let's try sports journalism let's actually try that if that's something that um you feel i felt myself gravitating towards and and writing and talking to athletes and you know, if you you know the ringer, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And there's podcasts, there's videos, there's writing. And I really thought of it as a step into the unknown, but a really exciting unknown. Like I had yeah. never done a podcast before going to the ringer. And it turns out I liked it. I'd never yeah. been on camera and talked basketball. I liked it. Huh. And it was cool to be able to be in that position as a fact checker and just try out all those things. Um, they really, en- they were encouraging for me to, to try those things. Um, and then while I was there, I, those were amazing editors. I became a better writer based off of their editing. And I found out I really want to talk about the WNBA because nobody's talking about it. So let me yeah. fill this gap for you in your content. Because you guys, nobody is writing about women's basketball. And I have a personal relationship with women's basketball. So kind of set me up there. For, for yeah. Good. So I want to try to drive a wedge here on this. You, you said like you, you really liked it. You liked being, you like talking about sports. You specifically like talking about basketball. You specifically like being able to, to be in a position to speak to um, the, the life and, 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 uh, journey of women's basketball, uh, but you also liked you liked editing for a lifestyle magazine. I mean, you liked there were pieces of that you liked. Yeah. So, what is the difference between the liking of the thing that you you were drawn to that you had planned on, and then the liking of the thing that it turns out you were deeply passionate about? That's a great question because it wasn't that I turned my back on the magazine industry and I hated everything about it. I loved it. It was creative. It was, you know, being a part of photo shoots, writing these cover stories, having the physical (laughs) magazine in front of me. I loved all of those things. Um, But it was, again, asking myself that tough question. Is this this life-giving? Yeah. Would you do this for free? And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? This isn't that fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, it was heavily about advertising and I felt like I wasn't writing journalistically anymore. Um, is, that because, so when you, is that because you were incentivized to write like sanctimonious stories about particular brands or products yeah yeah Yeah. um and that is that even something we can talk about in a public publicly posted thing (laughs) i know Uh, i don't know maybe maybe not (laughs) but i i think mostly what it came down to is that passion that girl that was on fire coming out of journalism school with her reporter hat going into a magazine industry was very different and when i got to the ringer all those people were still very much on fire and very much reporters. And it was back to the, the heart of journalism. And then on sports, like sports on top of that. So I think that's what it got me excited again. And, and maybe that's what it is like listening to yourself and your internal fire for something and, um, checking in with yourself. Like I always checked in myself. Are you having fun? Do you like this? Is this life-giving? Are you growing? Are you being challenged? And once those start being no's, then I have to, okay, we got to search. Maybe we have to move on. And Jordan from way back with this strict plan probably would not have done that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing 
life-giving. I'm hearing challenging, but not necessarily just drudgery hard, but like challenging is something different. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's growing your capacity. I also hear in there, there's something about the people you're working with and the relate, like the re- there's a relation out relationship or relationality about that. Like that, that really actually matters a lot yes. is what I'm hearing you yeah. say. Like who you're working with, how they're approaching their work, how they treat other people, how they, how they view the world. I mean, if you're working with, with lifestyle people, that could be great. And maybe you resonate with, you know, the best new strawberry cheesecake in Orange County is what will make mm-hmm. life everything for you. And okay, but yeah. you maybe learned that wasn't you. And so mm-hmm. then having really like working in a place where you're building and interacting with people who um, who see things or, you know, ha- have some connection with seeing things similar to you and having a different kind of even just culture within the that segment of the industry that mattered. Um, and so you're, but you're, there's a difference between like knowing, t- you knowing something ahead of time, like, oh, I just knew, I knew this is who I am and what I'm about. And so then I went and made this great informed decision. It was some of that, like, I, I know some things about who I am. I know these baseline things, mm-hmm. but I love, I do love sports. I am. And then listening as you went to what was actually resonating with you and more with what, who you were learning you were. And how the people yeah. that really resonated with you were, were also speaking back to you who you were more than what just culture or, or general society or, you know, other, other people in your life that maybe aren't as connected, aren't as actually intimately connected with you or telling you you should be. Yeah, because I think the, what I want to get clear is that I'm still a planner. Like I'm still very futuristic. (laughs) So it wasn't that I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to wake up and see what, what path I'm going to go down today. Like that's not who I am. So it was just like what you said, checking in with myself along the way, because I still was thinking about those things while I was at the magazine. I was like, okay, I'm at a local magazine right now. Would the next step be national? Would the next sure. step be a travel magazine? And 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 asking myself those questions. But when I got to the ringer and but I those made are that, those are questions that like general culture just tells you are supposed to be the questions. Yes. And and what always having that next step in mind. And I have been that way since I was little. I I, I said. So it was really when I got to the ringer. And I made the conscious decision to take a pay cut, a title cut, to try something new. Uh And that led to covering the WNBA and being able to, you know, be in the locker room at Staples Center to cover the Sparks. And really being like, after that moment, that's where you're kind of like, wait this feels amazing. Was this always what I wanted to do? (laughs) Like, I never even thought about that being a goal of mine. And yet it feels so satisfying. Like that was just a cool spot to be in. And so then coming towards the end of my time at the ringer, I I checked in with myself again. Mm. And I had those same questions. And and the biggest one that stuck out to me and pulling from my time at the Lifestyle Magazine I didn't feel like I was being creative. I felt like those creative juices weren't really flowing as much. And as a fact checker, you can imagine there's not a lot of creativity there. Um, And I wasn't being challenged. Some days I would feel bored. And I'm such a go-getter that I feel like that's wasted time. Like, what else could I be doing to, to fill that time? So... I wasn't looking for another job when the position I'm in now, Mojo, approached me. But I I did check in with myself and say, you know, this would be a pivot. And more importantly, the moral of the story is I have no idea what is going to come out of it. But I know that it's an app. What If you told me five years ago I'd be working in tech in some capacity, (laughs) there is no way in hell. Heck, I would have said that. But my boss now, who's Ben Sherwood, used to be the president of 
of ABC and Disney and him telling me, you know, you want to write? You could write. If you want to do a podcast, you could have a podcast. If you want to, you know, we're thinking about launching a TV show. Would you want to be a part of that? I was like, I don't know, but that sounds exciting. Um, And and I just think old Jordan wouldn't have really taken that chance because it wasn't a part of her plan. Hmm. So that that's really what I want to come across is you can plan as much as you can, but check in with yourself. And if it feels right and you're asking yourself those questions and would you do this for free? Still asking yourself that. Um, go for it. Like that might be kind of no. cheesy, but like no. do it. No, I don't think it's cheesy. And I think you've actually provided, I mean, you said you, you gave great language to it. That's a hard piece when you're fighting against something that's such a cultural imperative, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's articulating it in a way that, that makes sense and is useful. And I think you've said, I mean, life giving would do it for free, um, puts you in relationships with people that grow you really, mm-hmm. and not just professionally, but personally. I mean, those are three things that, that are huge and real. And that I think our students can, can really, I mean, they can connect with that. Um, so uh, alternately, you know, so if you like alternately look at it and say like, well, maybe if Dean hadn't challenged me to at least be open to thinking differently, um, or my experience, you know, if things hadn't happened the way they did with basketball, you could see it's very possible. You could still be a, a senior editor for the locale or at a national level paper writing about the same things. Do you think mm-hmm. you would be this, the like, you are, I mean, from how you're talking about, you just were describing, like, talking to old Jordan. Um, so what I what I hear and what I'm imagining, at least, not having known you before, is that you are a, you're a, a, a bigger, deeper, more fully you version of yourself than you were before. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, I think that's the best part, right? Like, okay. that we're, un, we're discovering things about ourselves along the way. And so... When I think back to, you know, especially freshman Jordan, who had all these hopes and what she was going to do on the basketball court and all these records she was going to break, like, it was not about that at all. But I am so, so thankful that I went through that experience, that I, you know, being a student athlete is not easy. And those lessons I learned from just being an athlete, like that is things I use every day. Mm. Um, And being a student athlete is something that got me this job I have now. Like Mojo is, is an app that talks to youth sports athletes and parents. And I can, you know, personally give my story And it's a part of my job, which is just like so cool. Um, So I think that I am a more in tuned version of myself because I continue to check in. And I, I, I think that I encourage, you know, everyone to do that. Even if you feel like what you said, this is the job that's going to make me a lot of money. This is a job that my parents told me to do. Um, This is what I got my degree in. So I feel forced to continue this job. Check in with yourself and say, okay, I have my degree as a lawyer, but am I passionate about sports? Could I be a sports lawyer? Could I pivot in some way that's still within my skill set? I think that's important because, (laughs) you know, Strengths quest competition is my number one strength, so not surprising. Uh, okay, I heard. I think but, number two or three was futuristic, but okay, competition. Yes, one, yes, see it. yeah. Okay. We can just get that out now. Competition, <laughs> futuristic, strategic, uh, includer, and relater. Oh, nice. Yeah, I really like the relater one. That one's that one's my favorite. But highlight <laughs> competition. I always go back to that because I think okay. Am I getting better? I don't want to be content. I'm not that type of person. So am I getting better? Am I growing? Am I being challenged? Am I being 
um, around people who are wanting to be the best because that's what I'm striving for. And thinking about those anxieties, um, you know, that we were talking about, knowing that there's been receipts, (laughs) that it's worked out, it's been okay. And being okay with, I don't know what my next step is going to be. And that does give me anxiety, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. And yeah. young Jordan would not have been. <laughs> sure. And maybe Jordan that didn't get the didn't get checked on on whether her whether you know she was pigeonholing herself might still mm-hmm. be might still be working just the lifestyle route and in the in that single-minded pipeline and might be that Jordan might be the same age today but less Jordan than the Jordan that's sitting here because she chose chose a different path. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, would would you say that's a that is also informs how you see the way that that um you are you are made by a creator to be a particular like you are made specifically by a creator to do good work in a particular way and that this this is exactly what that that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh I would say that in you know the the cliche thing is everything happens for a reason. But I truly, I truly do believe that because if I didn't play basketball and if I didn't get injured, then I wouldn't have gotten that job at Mojo. But, or at, sorry, let me repeat that. If I didn't play basketball and I didn't get injured my senior year, then I wouldn't have gotten the job at the Lifestyle Magazine. But even before that, if I wasn't, clipping out magazines and <laughs> saving them and and starting that passion for magazine editing, I wouldn't have gotten that job. If I didn't have that student-athlete experience, I wouldn't have the job I have now. And so, like, the, the things that you are, are going through in your life and the, the things that you learn from all these different jobs are going to be used in some capacity. And that's yeah. the best part about it. When I look at things that I'm doing now, I can think back to what we learned in school, what I learned two jobs ago, what I learned from the ringer, what I've learned from going to conferences. Like you pull all of that in to create um, your path. And I, I truly believe that this is the path I'm supposed to be on and continuing to do that uh, along the way. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I want to read a little excerpt from your from your writing um, from oh, that gosh. that uh, viewpoint article. Um, you you talk about Genesis two fifteen. Uh, we get the first human call. God told humanity to tend to the earth, His creation, um, and then you quote um, Montague Williams uh, from our, our PLNU professor. Um, and he says that thing, that call, that first human call is the starting point offered to us in scripture to reorient our lives around God's purpose for us. And I, I felt compelled to bring that up because then shortly after this story in Genesis comes the very long, most of Genesis story is about Abraham. And it's so hard for me not to listen to you tell your story. And, you know, Abraham's story is this archetypal story about, um, about exactly what you're saying about listening sacrificing and then doing what the voice said to do and just doing Mm -hmm. it. And that's Abraham's story. You know, he could have just stayed put in Ur and probably, you know, could have been the lifestyle magazine editor his whole life (laughs) um, and fine, but that wasn't the great adventure that his creator had for him. Um, And he doesn't, you know, he screws up along the way. He makes all kinds of, he, he doesn't follow where he's supposed to go sometimes um, mm-hmm. But every time, every time he does come to that point where he's done what was said for this chapter, then there's celebration, there's a call to a new thing, and then there's there's sacrifice. And so, even when you talk about sacrificing twenty thousand dollars of your salary to go to the ringer, you know, there's something in sacrifice that I think is so important to that story, that and that it's not begrudgingly done. That the sacrifice is the I've heard it described as like the the bargain you're making with the future that by cutting something from your life now, you actually open your capacity to do more in the future. 
mm-hmm. um, and yes. and more fully live into what what um, life has for you or what the Lord has for you. So, um, yeah, I guess maybe that's an encouragement to you. Maybe that's an encouragement to our listeners that like that's that's um, you know that Abraham's story is so central for a reason, and it's not, Abraham's story is not the story of of pick a pick a career pick the major for that career, work in that career for 40 years, have some kids along the way, retire to Florida. Like that's not, that's not the archetypal story God was trying to paint for us from the beginning. It was this lifelong adventure of, of seasons and chapters and never knowing where that might take you, but listening carefully to the, the deepest part of who you are. No, definitely. I think that, um, that is a huge, huge part of my testimony actually because i was i would say you know god i will do anything that you want me to do but just like don't touch my career <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yes oh that's so that's exactly right yeah that's that is what i would after i would listen to my prayers i'm like okay that's basically what you just said like yeah. i would go anywhere you know, my future husband, wherever he is, but like, you but know, I'm going to be a journalist, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yes. I would hear people say, I threw away everything and I became a nurse and, you know, started all this. I was like, okay, I really don't want to do that. Like, I really love telling yeah. stories. Um, so and that's Abraham. Like, He's like, send me anywhere, but give me a son. Yes. It's always send me anywhere, but give me a son. And then sure enough, what's the hardest sacrifice he's asked to make? Because this was your idol and, you know, mm-hmm. the Lord is good and, and says like you, you know, being willing to give it up mattered more than actually, you know, sacrificing your son. But, and that was, that's, that's the same for you. You were willing to, willing to give it up, um, but you still then got to live, live, like you still get to do journalism. You just were willing to, willing to put that on the altar. Yeah. And I always think of, you know, as that capital P planner I have this plan for my life. And then God's like, okay, but wait, like it's going to be so much bigger. Like you can't even fathom. And that is my encouragement of sometimes I am a dreamer. I'm a planner, but I feel like he's telling me, and still you're planning too small. Like it's going to be bigger, not in the sense of more money, more, luxurious it's going to be more fulfilling than you can actually imagine because we're going through all of these steps and all of these hoops and all of these jobs and you're going to meet these people and you're going to do these weird things and you're going (laughs) to interview this one person that's going to lead you to another person you know like all of that is going to matter and that that plan that picture that you envision of of what you wanted your life to look like, which right now it's completely blurry. I have no idea what <laughs> what I want to do. And I feel encouraged by God saying, you know, it's going to be a hundred times better than that. Yeah. And as a planner, sometimes that is really hard to let go of um, or even hear. But yeah, you explained it perfectly. I I was that and letting go of that is a part of my story for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. There is no arrival. There's there's always more. There's always more. (laughs) Always more. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much. That was an amazing story. Can't wait to see um, where that next chapter is for you. Uh, And who knows? Who knows where it could be? Uh, Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) So we always like to end off with just a a quick rapid fire um, on a few questions. So what are you reading right now? Oh, this is horrible journalists, but I have been so busy that I've not been reading, but I do have a book right next to me that was gifted to me that I'm so excited to read when I have like five seconds. Sure. Um, it is called More Than Enough by mm. Elaine Welteroff. And she is actually, she went to Sacramento State and worked at she was the first black editor of teen vogue and she kind of has a similar thing she let go of that and um kind of is 
bet on herself. She she broke free and and has made a whole another career path for her. Um, so my friend gifted that to me to kind of remind me of that story. So I have to read that. Awesome. Um, how about are you listening? Are you have time to listen to anything? Podcasts, audiobook, or watching anything that's compelling? My favorite podcast that I am completely biased because I worked on it at The Ringer is Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelor. Um, they just talk uh, about culture and in such a funny and incredibly smart way. So you should listen to that. Cool. Uh, and then um, who has made an impact on you this week? Oh, I love that question. I interviewed um, someone for an upcoming story for The Viewpoint, and it was about a new company called The Cooking Penguin, and I got to talk with the chef, Chef Marco, and we had a wonderful interview, and then he called me later in the day to just thank me for telling his story. Um, And that was just a, a wonderful moment of like, a reminder, like, this is why I do what I do to tell people stories and, and make that connection. So that was lovely. Awesome. Well, you're clearly very good at it. Um, and, <laughs> and again, I, the appeal in your community, um, the current students that will listen to this, I'm, I'm sure are very grateful for you being willing to open up and share some of your personal story. We haven't done um, one quite like this where the story itself was the the idea theme and and so um, very grateful for your willingness to to open up of course anything for point loma <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs>